Welcome into the Mike and Micah podcast here on Legendary Sports Network. I'm Mike here with Micah, and we have a special episode today. Anthony Davis, after months and months and months of speculation, is finally a Los Angeles Laker. The deal was the Los Angeles Lakers got Anthony Davis, while the New Orleans Pelicans got Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, the number four pick of this year's draft, and uh, two uh, and three future uh, first-round picks, depending on who has a better record and what the Pelicans want to do, their swaps or a lot of protections on it. So, But basically from now until 2025-2026, the Pelicans control all of the Lakers' first-round pick. So, Micah, the trade went down yesterday. I want to get your thoughts and reactions on what exactly happened and how special and how interesting this is going to be for the NBA season. Yeah, so I guess just to give context on, like, how big of a trade this is, because, I mean, first of all, this trade was being talked about for at least the last year. Going into the All-Star break, there were rumors of this thing happening. We know Rich Paul had his hands all over the All-Star break, the up to the trade deadline, or before the trade deadline, to say up to the All-Star break, or trying to shop his man, trying to get a deal going, um, you know, it kind of fell apart at that time. And you kind of had the feeling that maybe during the all season they're going to retry or maybe this is AD just kind of waiting to kind of see what his options were in the off season. The repercussions of that from AD before we even get started into the trade that happened was that he was forced to sit the rest of the year. Well, not necessarily sit because he did in the plan a little bit, but it was uh, like a minutes restriction and then he ended up kind of I believe it was like what he did. He finish the season, or it was like he kind of like he was like well, maybe like twenty minutes a game, or he was hurt, or yeah, he played. Uh, he finished up the after the All Star break, but the only thing that uh, he didn't play in fourth quarters, which was very very weird. Um, yeah. but he played like twenty to twenty five minutes just so he could stay in like basketball shape, but didn't really risk any injury. Yeah, so basically he was a non factor on their team for the Pelicans. I mean. It was a weird situation. You kind of got, like, it was a punishment thing going on. Um, so kind of just circling back and everything with all the context and all we know, seeing this trade is a big thing. I was at work, and my coworker comes in. We're running promotions during the Baysox game. He's like, yo, AD just got traded. I'm like, what, bro? Timeout. Hold on. I look at the group chat. 100 messages. I'm like, <laughs> here we go. But, I mean, what's actually happening in this trade is a little interesting just because I feel like the Pelicans could have got a lot more if they had gone with that deal during the All-Star break, which is a little weird, I guess, kind of looking back on it, that they – well, I don't necessarily know the particulars of what happened, but, of course, it fell apart. Now, did they get robbed in this trade? Of course not. Did the Lakers get robbed in this trade? Of course not. They both got what they wanted to get out of this trade. The Lakers wanted to get a guy to pair with Ron, another superstar. That gives them the leverage to get another superstar if need be. I guess that'd be a conversation we have later in the podcast. But for the Pelicans, this is great because first of all, they got the they got what two of the first five top picks now. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So obviously they're probably going to get Zion, and now you have the leverage to do whatever you want with that fourth pick. They could trade it for another player. They could draft another player. They could get R.J. Barrett. Need be if that happens. If the Knicks flop on the pick, they could get R.J. Barrett. And now you have a young nucleus, which they're already doing anyway. They're already on rebuild mode, kind of, I feel like. I mean, let's say this. They had Drew Holiday. They had other players. But when you bring in young guys in, like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, you already have Julius Randle. Although I saw that he wants to become, was it a restricted free agent? 
this is he declined. Yeah, he declined his option to become an unrestricted free agent. Declined the player option. I don't know if that means that he wants to necessarily leave, but even if he does, that leaves room for Zion Williamson to step right in. So now you're looking at a team that's very young, that's very good with just that talent alone, and I feel like they can start rebuilding with a true rebuild from there. Um, and, of course, what the Lakers got is AD and LeBron, and now they can go get a guy like Kemba. They could miss, possibly get a guy like Kyrie. But I think the optics of this trade is that both sides got what they want. If they, if I was to pick a clear winner and loser, I feel like I will go more towards – oh, that's actually kind of hard. I, I would say – I would say the Lakers won only because what you're getting out of this is a chance – you become a free agent destination again. When free agents are looking, especially guys like Paul George or, let's say, in the past, without LeBron James, what was there to attract to the team? I mean, there was great players, there's good players, but the prospects of good players was the prospects of two All-Stars and you being that third and possibly pulling a Warriors situation or possibly pulling a Heat Big 3 situation is a lot grander, so they could have possibly attract another guy and get right back into the stick, uh, right into the fold you know, the heat of being in the conference finals or something like that. So I'll say the Lakers won, but I don't think the Pelicans lost. I would just say that the Pelicans need to make maybe one or two more moves and need to do a little bit more to reshape what their roster is to really be in this. But I like the trade for both sides. One thing I will say about the Lakers, though, they still need a bench, and they still need to do something about the aging role players they have on their team because that's great, and LeBron has always had aging role players. But it's a point where it's not going to work, and it's a point where – Whenever Braun does what he does and let's say he retires there or he may get another six seasons, seven seasons out of him. But even then, you got to look towards the future a little more, and that might come a little later. But for right now, what you have is a chance to go right back to the finals, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, um, you, you said it well there, Micah. I, this trade was, was spectac- spectacular. I believe we all saw it coming. And it was talks about how much are the Lakers willing to give up, and they were very, very honest with what they wanted to do, and that was they wanted to make sure that they got AD by any means necessary. Um, for the Lakers, I'll start with the Lakers' perspective. For the Lakers, you have right now three more years with LeBron James under contract. Like you said, maybe he plays a fifth and sixth year, but for right now we only have those three years that he's under contract that he said he will, uh, he will be playing out. You wasted his first year with due to injury, a young team, and no superstar talent with him. We see this league, you, you, need, you need either a great supporting cast like the Toronto Raptors had where literally they, from one through eight or nine, each of those players could have taken over uh, in a game, or you need to have superstars like the Golden State Warriors did. And they didn't really have both. The Lakers had a good starting five in Josh Hart, but besides that, you have Alex Caruso, Mo Wagner, who was a rookie last year that didn't really do much, so you kept yourself in a place where you didn't have, you didn't have the best of both worlds. You weren't in a situation where you were able to have either that depth or have uh, the superstar talent. So you, mm-hmm. they, they said, you know what, we're going to go get that second superstar. And that's what they did with AD. They're in win now mode. Um, they have enough cash space to get either another great all-star player or build legit depth with that team. And if the Lakers, the Lakers can go either way with it. And you I really can't fault them for whichever way they decide to go. So it was interesting to see um, what they were able to uh, what they were able to do there. Uh, you touched on the Pelicans' ability to get a better deal at the All Star break. Yes, they they were would have been able to, but 
AD now having to go through uh, this offseason took down his value just a hair, uh, just made it a, a hair smaller just because he didn't have the ability, uh, the Pelicans didn't have the ability to give the Lakers that uh, Anthony Davis to give him that push to go into this playoff run. So instead of them getting Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma, they had to leave Kuzma. But that was Dell Demps, and Dell Demps is gone. He's not going to be able to affect the Pelicans in any way. And the Pelicans now stepped up and they said, you know what? We know that AD is not sane. Uh, we, knew, we know that he doesn't want to be here anymore, that he's already expressed where he wants to go. And a lot of teams weren't willing to give – a lot of other teams weren't willing to get into a bidding war because they knew they were only going to get um, – they were only going to get AD for one year. So David Griffin said, you know what? I'm going to make this deal. And, and I'm not going to budge because AD could still play up to the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And he made sure he got as much possible out of it. The Pelicans got lucky this offseason. The basketball gods rewarded them for the fact that they were going to lose a superstar. Immediately, they get the number one pick. Pick up Zion, are going to get Zion Williamson. And now you have Zion, Lonzo Ball, who I believe is going to be a great player in this league. Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart. Uh, you, you have draft picks. You have Drew Holiday. And you have somewhere to somewhere to build around the number four pick also which could be Darius Garland a sharpshooter you got do so many things with that four pick um now Lanta Hawks who have two picks at eight and 17 I believe in the uh first round or eight and 14 in the first round now can go ahead and you can deal that and get two uh lottery picks uh and trade that number four pick so there's a lot that the Pelicans can do with uh what they have at this package and they're playing the long game. You see what the Warriors were able to do. The Warriors had uh, good players drafted well, had good players on rookie contracts, and were able to use that to leverage to build up to get their own championship in 2015 and then be have enough ability to have the space to add another superstar in KD for them to win uh, back-to-back rings. And the Pelicans are following that same model. You get Zion, who's perceived to be a superstar. If Alonzo or Ingram are able to take you to that next level as a superstar. Maybe Lonzo can get into the Draymond Green role where he's not a great shooter, but he does everything else on the court for you. If you can mm-hmm. have that situation, then you're you're great. And if you can pick up one more piece, a sharpshooter like Dar- Darius Garland, you're looking, you're looking like you're starting to get the pieces to get a team that's going to be a mainstay for years to come. And it's only great things for the Pelicans. So, if I had to choose a winner for this deal, I'm going with the Pelicans just because I think it has the ability to last longer than whatever the Lakers could do. I think the Lakers have a cap of three or four years. Yes, you can keep Anthony Davis and he you can uh, he can be your building block piece, but we've seen Anthony Davis with other pieces by himself. They're not really a playoff team. So I think I'm going to go with the Pelicans winning this trade. I don't think there's any loser, but if I had to pick a winner, I would say the Pelicans just because of um, – the ability of them to build for the next eight to 10 years, uh, it seems like. But Micah, like I said uh, a couple minutes ago, they do have $32 million in cap space Space if Anthony Davis declines that trade, um, that trade kicker. There are a lot of free agents out there. We have uh, Jimmy Butler. We have Kyrie Irving. We have Kemba Walker. Uh, we have D'Angelo Russell. Kawhi Leonard also is a free agent. Um, if he goes there, obviously, we all know that, that that would be their number one option. Uh, Kevin Durant, if he declines player option, is going to be a free agent, but he won't be of use to you next year either. 
out of those four players, uh, Kyrie, Jimmy, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, and um, Kemba, who would be the best fit for the Los Angeles Lakers and why? Truthfully put, and it's been floating out here a little bit, I think the best fit for them would either be the two point guards. I think it would either be Kyrie, well, if you count D'Angelo Russell as a point guard, but I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about, excuse me, I'm going to say D'Angelo Russell. I'm talking about Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving. I feel like they would be the best fit. Now, probably the most realistic is Kemba Walker. Um, I don't think Kyrie wants to go down that LeBron James path again, and I'm sure they talked it up, and I'm sure that they, you know, chopped it up about possibly doing it again. But at this point, the it's you know the writing was on the wall on what Kyrie wants to do with his career. He would probably rather be with the Nets than go with the Lakers and still be second fiddle. Kemba Walker, it's a little bit different story. He's never played, and I'm talking about never played with another star unless you count. 2000, like 12 or 13, out Jefferson. You feel me? Nah, nah. Yeah, it, 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 let's not, yeah, let's <laughs> not even stretch that to anywhere. Michael Jordan hasn't necessarily done the best job of getting uh, all NBA player, an all star, a multiple time all star, great player, a top eight point guard in this league, top seven point guard in this league. The weapons to win. I mean, those times he made to the playoffs, he made it all on themselves. And, you know, he was promoting himself, talking about, yeah, they will beat the Heat. That one year, we want to sweep them. Of course, he has to say that because it's their first time not being mediocre. And, of course, they got swept. But the point is in this that Kim Walker would be, and I feel like, a perfect fit for a LeBron James and AD-led team. First of all, the man can score. He can shoot the lights out when he needs to. He's a little bit of a hot scorer, but it's not, like, the same hot score of, like, a you know, just for talking points, let's say like a Nick Young or something like that. It's not like a, he's a streaky shooter kind of guy. This is a guy that he can get mid-range. He's always going to get buckets. Yeah, he's going to get his buckets. The Another big thing, they don't call him cardiac chemo for no reason. The man has a little bit of a clutch team, and that is big with LeBron James teams because LeBron James is the type, yeah, he might shoot that shot, but AD might swing it to him at the top of the key. He might swing it to you back down off the side. You might have to make that three. If you're in the right position, we see Kyrie done it, do it before. I mean, if you're in that right position, you got the shot off. LeBron's going to pass it to you. The biggest thing out of all of this is that he's his own entity, and he's a veteran to the point where he's not looking to get anything out of LeBron James or AD besides a ring. And that's kind of good because if you – let's say Lonzo's still on the team. Maybe he's looking for something else. Maybe at the end of the day he's looking to move elsewhere. He's using LeBron James as like a – Stepping stone over this. And I, no, it's not a negative thing. Lonzo is Lonzo. He's a great player. But this is a guy who's only two, moving into his three, third year in the league. Kimball Walker has been here, done that. I'm sure he's going to do whatever he needs to do to win. I'm sure he's going to buy into whatever, whatever LeBron James is. And the biggest thing out of all that is the respect factor. If he comes into the building right away, it's 80, oh, excuse me, it's LeBron, 80, and Kimba. That's a big three right there. However you want to put it, it's not the. Find the Heat big three. It's not the big four of the Warriors. I mean, whatever that's going to be left of that. But I it's, mean, it's, I think I think that's LeBron, a big three, dog. LeBron, AD, and Kemba might be better than the Miami big three, with the fact that if we look at Chris Bosh compared to Anthony Davis, you're obviously taking Anthony Davis. LeBron's obviously Miami. LeBron was a step better than Lakers. LeBron, but Lakers. LeBron isn't that far behind. And then Dwayne Wade towards the end of that Miami he was hurt. run, he, he yeah he bad knees and everything. And if Kemba can be the Kemba of the Hornets, it's it's pretty comparable. It's honestly and it's a great thing that they're all proven 
20, what, 23-plus scores, moving on to AD and Braun, 30-plus scores, moving into Kyle, like, Kemba, some parts of his career at 25-point score. This is a great thing just because they're going to know how and what to do to get out of these slumps. If you get – you know, let's say you keep the veterans around you. You still have guys like KCP. You still got Lance to make him dance off the bench. You still guys got, still got guys – like Rondo, if he comes back, like you feel me, it's not a bad situation, and it's not a situation where you're really gonna really, really, really miss the guys that you got rid of if you bring Kimba in. Because really, what you're getting out of this is production of maybe two players in the in one player as far as just points go. Brandon Ingram wasn't shooting the lights out; he wasn't averaging 25. Yes, Alonzo Ball, amazing player, but he doesn't have the whole scoring thing consistently now. I think just scoring-wise and what probably a LeBron-style team needs to do, I think it's perfect, and I think Kemba fits right in. Yeah. Um, I I love the idea of getting another superstar. I think that to win, honestly, it's still you need your superstars. The Raptors did it this year with getting a bunch of great players, but they needed Kevin Durant yeah. to go out. They needed uh, Steph Curry to not be 100%. And they Clay played Thompson, towards ACL. Clay, Clay Thompson towards ACL, or else I think the uh, Warriors win that game Shoot. six. So, uh, Looney, it was a lot, Looney, it was about to happen, yeah. A lot had to happen. But with superstars, we saw it in the past the two years before. With superstars, no question, they go ahead and they win. So I am for the factor of getting another big player. Um, who do I believe is the best fit? Honestly, um, Kyrie Irving would be a great fit, but Kevin Love had to take a step back for LeBron and Kyrie to prosper. Anthony Davis is not the same level as Kevin Love and Chris Bosh, and I don't foresee him taking a step back in his role. So I have to go with you with, with Kemba Walker just because Kemba, I think he has the ability to want to take uh, to be a straight assist man. He's going to get his points. He's going to get his 20 to 25 but he'll be able to take that step back and just facilitate for uh, LeBron in AD. Maybe uh, LeBron in this time of his career is saying, you know what, I'll be the second or third option, and he wants Kyrie Irving. But for me, I think best fit would probably have to be getting getting Kemba Walker. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to pull him away from that Supermax deal <laughs> due to the fact that um, – that's that money you don't you don't wild. get it back. Two hundred and twenty million. We know as Wizards fans and John Wall, that's that's a crazy contract to turn down. But if you want to win, then Kemba Walker will be um will be the man. Honestly, after Kemba, I like D'Lo. D'Lo going back Jeez. to Lakers, it seems like poetic poetic justice. I, I don't know. I think I just don't really consider Kyrie as an option just because I think he's going to the Nets. So. Mm-hmm. I probably would go D'Lo, D'Lo second just because he he has the ability to go off and he has that clutch gene and he, he can go off at any time. But I do believe he'll be able to learn well under LeBron and AD as they're basically the mentors there. Uh, the Lakers do have a lot of options. They could go ahead and also get Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler will be great defensively and offensively he's not a scrub, so – it's going to be interesting to see what, what exactly we can get the Lakers to be or if they decide to go the route where they're just going to get your Derek Favors, your Ricky Rubios, and just build a good team around um, a good team around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. 
But Mike, I want to talk uh, now about the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelican side. We talked about what they have with their uh, the Lakers have with their cap space. The Pelicans do have a lot of options where that they could trade Lonzo Ball to the Phoenix Suns for another pick. Um, that teams are interested in getting that number four pick. If you're the Pelicans, what are you going to be doing uh, these next this next week before our Thursday NBA draft to build your team around? Are you going straight? Everybody's basically a rookie, a super young core. You trade you Holiday, and your leaders are basically Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball, or are you doing something else? So what should the Pelicans do? I think if you're the Pelicans, I think what you have to do is – you have to shop. It doesn't mean you have to make a move, but you have to see what's the market's out there. Because right now, you have the most assets in the NBA. Bar none, you have the most assets and the most prolific assets in the NBA. I mean, it's a possibility. And I don't see, okay, first of all, them shopping does not mean they're shopping their number one pick. It could possibly mean they're shopping one of the young players they just got. It could mean they're shopping Lonzo Ball. It could mean they're shopping Brandon Ingram. It, well, I don't really see them. Shopping Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart's there for a rotational piece and a, and a possible starter. Need be the injury happens. So it could also mean you're shopping guys like Drew Holiday. You're trying to see what the market is for teams that need vets. Um, what I feel like the Pelicans need, if they're going to – okay, I think they're going to take Zion Williamson at number one. Well, yeah, we, we, we could all we – all, yeah. we all know that's going down. What you need to do is you got to get guys that's going to complement his game. Guy that complements his game is, I mean, first of all, you need the, his antithesis, which means you get a guy that's going to be a more outside-oriented scorer that can still put the ball on the floor and make plays happen. The funny thing is, if you want to go this route and you want to keep the number four pick, or if you want to possibly try to uh, try, I don't know, try to work anything, maybe getting a guy like Chris Milton, maybe getting a guy. I mean, if you're lucky enough, like I said before, R.J. Barrett, somebody that could be an outside presence while Zion's inside presence is perfect. And maybe that guy is Brandon Ingram. So maybe they don't do anything and they kind of just shop in the future picks or they're just shopping that number four pick and they're seeing what they can get out of it and possibly build up some more depth, possibly build up – or excuse me, get guys, some more veteran players that kind of complement a young core. I think if I was – if I was David Griffin, what I would do – is I will keep what you have. I like Zion coming in with Lonzo. I like the fact that Ingram is there. I mean, Julius Randle, I don't know what he's going to do. and I don't know what he knows. He declined his player option, so I don't really know what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to restructure a contract, or maybe he's just, like, throwing his name out there and trying to get something big for the Pelicans to kind of stay. But if you get – let's say you get Julius Randle back. This is what the Lakers should have been, basically. If Bron didn't go – Basically, at this time this year, it will probably have, like, a number one pick because I don't necessarily know what, excuse me, like, with that young core, they want to get much better. So you're in the same spot that the Lakers were, let's say, two years ago when this was all forming, and they're like, okay, they're finally building something. They were terrible. They were playing terrible basketball, but it was clear and it was evident that they're building something. I say you keep what you have, and I feel like if you're David Griffin, you built this up, and you build it up to the point where, like you mentioned before, you kind of threw the name out there, but – the Warriors, these are guys that sat on their lowers and were like, okay, we don't have the most polarizing names. We do have guys that may have been forgotten about a little bit, guys that maybe got counted out a little bit, but we're going to build this, and we're going to see what we do from it. 
And the Warriors dynasty is built off straight draft picks, and they got KD. But they were great. Those two years before KD, they were amazing. So I think you sit down, you see what you have. The most you do is maybe you shop some veteran guys. Maybe you shop that number four pick just to see what you can get from it. If you can get – I'm trying to just think of names. You can get anybody that helps complement what you have and possibly bring a Zion, and I think you do that. But I don't think you throw this away just because I think it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you got Alfred Payton off the bench. You got Jalil Okafor possibly – well, he's probably going to start if Zion comes to still. These are all guys that can help you get right back to the playoffs. We see it with the Nets. The Nets don't – have a lot, a lot of like polarizing players, but they got a guy like great players that do great things in the court. I can see something like that happening, so I really want them just to sit on what they have. I don't want to see them making too many crazy moves, but something that compliments them and compliments what these young, well, these new players can bring to the table. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. If I'm the Pelicans, I don't touch uh, Lonzo, I don't touch Ingram, I don't touch Hart, I, I don't touch anything but the draft picks. Um, number one is secured. That is Zion. We all know that Zion is going to be uh, the number one draft pick. But that number four pick, there, there are no real game changers, at least that I have seen yet, that I want with that number four pick. I think it's going to be all great, great, uh, good, good to great players in the NBA, players that will uh, have nice long careers like your Jared Culliver, your DeAndre uh, Hunter, and players like that. But the thing about them is that, a lot of those players don't help with spacing. And that's, that's really what uh, the Pelicans need right now is spacing on that court because with Zion, with Lonza, with Ingram, a lot of these players are uh, players that like to play back to the basket, uh, like to drive into the lanes and clogging up the lanes. They need to be able to space the floor. So I'd be looking to trade with uh, maybe the Chicago Bulls or the Atlanta Hawks and try to get a pick where I can pick up a shooter like Cam, uh, Cam Reddish mm-hmm. or I can get – or I can get a solid big man maybe later in the draft, like Bruno Fernando, where now you have Zion and Bruno, where they can both uh, – Bruno has the ability to step out and hit a corner a corner uh, three – uh, not a corner three, um, uh, side of the basket shot, uh, elbow shot, and do different things with that lineup where you have your two big men there and you have Alonzo, you have a Drew, so – Besides the number four pick, I wouldn't really be looking to shop anybody else. I think the Pelicans have a good foundation and have a good uh, building block to uh, to work with. Mm-hmm. If I do have to trade a player, um, I'm not I'm not trading Lonzo just because I think Lonzo is going to be an eventual star in the Absolutely. league. Absolutely, I I, pro- I probably end up trading Brandon Ingram if I do have to trade a player, but I don't believe that they with what the Pelicans have constructed right now that they are going to trade. I don't really see them picking up anybody being a free agency because I think this year is a year to see what you have develop and make the trades if you need to because Lord knows they have <laughs> they have enough picks for the next for the next 5 years. But we've seen with uh picks that you better turn them into something because the Boston Celtics had all them picks and it's led to getting Kyrie Irving for 2 years and it looks like he's going to he's going to end up floating uh, not getting AD, who was their main target, and Al Horford may opt out of his deal, so you're stuck with a one and a half leg Gordon Hayward. So you make sure you use those picks. Make sure you're able to get somebody good. And I think the Pelicans are going to be very interesting to watch next year, and going to be a great team in about three to five years, and one of the top teams in the Western Conference. But I have one more thought about the Pelicans before we leave. And, Micah, I want to get your opinion on this. 
there have been a lot of talks about the Pelicans moving to Seattle because of um, the Bensons aren't really into aren't really into the basketball team. They just bought it because it's New Orleans and they own the Saints. And um, now the wife is the only one that is alive. The husband uh, the husband has passed away, and mm-hmm. now she's uh, she's also up there in age. So when they pass, would you like to see that this Pelicans team return to the Seattle SuperSonics? <laughs> Oh, man. I wish – well, I can't say I wish. If this would have happened, let's say if you reverse this maybe two years, and KD gets a whiff of this team coming back to Seattle, he would go there. But, you know, we can't live in that what if and make leave by. Yes, regardless, I would love to see this team go back to Seattle. I mean, first of all, they got robbed with the OKC Thunder thing. Um, It was – it was a situation – I just, I don't know. The, the, you know, stadium deals and stuff like that are, are really touchy. Uh, there's a lot of bad stadium deals, FedEx Field, just to name one. And there's a lot of weird things you get into contractually. Um, St. Louis Rams, I'm thinking another one where it all started with a stadium deal. And then all of a sudden, St. Louis is a bad sports city or something like that, which, I mean, it's really not. But you know how it goes with uh, sports politics and things like that. I would love to see the Sonics come back, and I would love to see this team in Seattle, I think it would be beautiful. I think the WNBA team has been holding it down, but somebody needs to play in that arena, man. The big dogs need to come back. They need to – I don't know. It's just Seattle sports and Supersonics. It's just – first of all, uniforms are amazing, but it's a lot of short but good history there. And I think at least anything, the NBA owes it to them just because of the things that happen, you know, the kind of just forcedness of the last – I guess yeah, the last relocation things that happened are uh, it's been a little weird just relocating wise. Uh, we saw the, the thing with the Pelicans for them being the Hornets, the Charlotte getting back their rights. The Pelicans really have no history. I think, yeah, yeah I think the Pelicans history begins with, well, it begins when the Hornets came to New Orleans. So that's like Oh four. So they only have a 15 year history. Which is, of course, like I said, weird. The Bobcats ended up picking up, well, excuse me, the Hornets is Charlotte, ended up picking up the Bobcats' whole history. So the Charlotte Hornets are covered historically, but we've seen a team with very little history. Right now, the Thunder still have Seattle's old history, but I think the Thunder should, especially because they're retiring players' jerseys like Steven Adams, they're kind of doing their own thing now. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's time for Seattle to get their basketball team back, live and breathe that actual franchise's history, their decorated history, and I think the NBA should really look into it. Uh, hopefully there's actual bids being put up for this because, you know, it's a whole process and stuff like that. But I would love to see that. I think this team would be perfect. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I was going with it. I would love to see a team back in uh, Seattle. No disrespect to New Orleans, um, but they're a football town. They don't. I mean, maybe they haven't had a lot to cheer for. That's why we don't really see people in uh, in the Smoothie King Arena. But I'd love to see a team back in Seattle, especially with this Pelicans team and getting uh, getting Zion there. It would be electric those first couple of seasons. Uh, I think it's between either the Pelicans or the Memphis Grizzlies as one of those teams that get to Seattle. Mm. But in the next five, I think in the next five to seven years, it's going to be. Uh, if not a bid, a team already back in Seattle, and that's gonna that's gonna bring the parody back. Um, that parody of having uh the uh 
the Seahawks and the Sonics and Seattle is back fully again uh, with their sports. But this is going to be a very fun week for the Mike and Micah podcast. We do know that the NBA draft is on Thursday. So I know Micah and I are going to do our mock draft for the NBA draft on Thursday, see how many that we can get right, predict where each player is going and our biggest surprises from the draft. But before we leave, Micah, do you have any last-minute thoughts on this AD trade on the Lakers and on the Pelicans? I definitely think, like I said before, that it is a good trade for both sides. Um, I took the Lakers side of it only because, yes, you're getting a short getting a short return on it, but what that does in turn is you get the market back up. Hopefully, you get the Lakers clout back up because Lord knows they need it. It's been at least six years or seven years since the last playoff stand since really Kobe was there before, you know, pre-Achilles destruction Kobe. Like, I think it's time. L.A. basketball, it's not a Clippers town. And the Clippers being, what were they, the eighth seed? Yeah. Yeah, the Clippers being the eighth seed is cool and all. The Lob City thing was cool while it was happening. It's good to see, but the NBA is not the NBA without the Lakers being a great team. Truth be told, I mean, it's that market, bro. The history and everything is there. There's so many Lakers fans, and they're annoying just because they were integral in getting the NBA where it is today. I mean, you can just a litany of names of what top 10 players that have touched the Lakers, and Braun is just joining them. So it's great to see them making the moves to at least be competitive again. They're going to make the playoffs, so that's good. It's great to see them trying to do something to get superstars back into the building, and it's just it's a great thing. I'm just happy to see it. I'm happy to see both sides got what they needed out of it. And nobody really got robbed in the trade. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm coming from. That's a that's a great bow on this 80 uh, saga that's been going for, it feels like, two years, <laughs> yeah. over two years now. But we'll be back for another episode sometime this week before the NBA draft. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next podcast. Peace. Peace.